Jean? Mr. Shallot? You paged me. Are you okay? I, uh, I was at the limelight with Monica Lewinsky until 4 a.m. What the hell am I reviewing today? Rush Hour, Simon Birch, and One True Thing. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, okay, let me do a little spitballing here. Rush Hour, more like a shower, which is what you'll need to take after watching this potty-mouthed Mother Tucker for two hours. This movie really is like Rush Hour, in that I was dying to get home the whole time I was watching it, blah, blah, blah. Done. Next. Okay, well, that was- I said next! Simon Birch. Simon Birch, more like time in church, as in what you should spend asking God why he chose to curse you the way he did, etc., etc., etc. Oh, Gene. Oh, too dark? Okay. How's about this? They should have gone with the original title, A Prayer for Owen Teeny. Write that up. What? Write that up, I says. What's to write up? Next movie. I just... Next movie! One True Thing. One True Thing? More like One Blue Thing. And spoiler alert... That blue thing is Meryl Streep. Oh, Gene. The one true thing about this movie is that I fucking hated it and wanted to tie up everyone involved, throw lighter fluid on them, and set them on fire, etc., etc. Gene, what is wrong with you? I'm on drugs. Don't you understand? All right, forget those. Forget those. Let's just kill all three birds with one stone. Guess what, Jackie Chan? Don't ever touch a black man's radio or you'll end up like Simon Birch and Meryl Streep dead. Cut, print, check the gate. What gate? We're in your dressing room. Check the gate, I says! Coming soon, this summer, at theaters everywhere, opening weekend, Rated R. Welcome to episode 17 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisse. And this week we travel back to September 18th, 1998 and the release of The First Rush Hour, starring Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan, and directed by Brett Ratner, as well as the very, very loose John Irving adaptation, Simon Birch, and the Meryl Streep tearjerker, One True Thing. Before we dive into the week's movies, though, Fred and Dan, where were you guys in September of 1998? Oh, God, 1998. I had just gotten back from doing the Buddy Holly story in Minneapolis. Now, I know I mentioned a couple of episodes ago doing the tour. This was pre-tour. This was just a sit-down uh, at the Ordway Theater in Minneapolis. And um, I was about two months away from meeting my future wife. Uh, yeah, wow. we met in uh, November of that year. And I was playing at the I coffee just, pot. I was playing at the yeah, and mm. right around this time I started playing at the coffee pot. Yes, which was a little coffee jerk on Ninth Avenue and 49th. Oh, I loved it. And, loved uh, that place. Yeah, we used to go there all the time. And I just met my good friend. Do it when I was doing the Buddy Holly story. I met my my very good friend Steve Friday, who is now Lisa Jackson. Mm -hmm. Steve went at the time; she was still living as a man, and. um we met and, and that was actually a really, that was a huge summer for me because I started playing drums again. I grew up playing drums and then I stopped. I, I stopped playing when I was in college because I fancied myself more of a singer songwriter just on the piano. And hmm. I hadn't played drums in years, mostly just because I, I couldn't get my drum set 
to college and I couldn't get it into my little studio apartment in the but lower side. But you're so side. good at the drums. You're so good. Well, I good. played for a long time, but I just hadn't picked them up in a while. I remember I went to the audition. I didn't have a pair of drumsticks when oh I went God. to audition for Buddy and I, I found an old pair of timpani mallets that I turned upside down. Ah. <laughs> but I got the gig and it ended up, you know, I started playing drums again and I met all these people that eventually, you know, became band members with me. That's where I met uh, Jeff Kerner who ended up playing bass in the, the old band Zip Thunk. And yes. Yeah. So that, that was a pretty, that was a pretty big summer for me in terms of where I'd see the rest of my life go musically wow. and whatnot. But yeah, so I was back, I was playing, playing at the coffee pot with uh, our friend Steve Lavner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I might've been, I no. might've been working at this place GM on fifth, which what was, was that? Uh, it was the GM showroom. showroom. Yeah. Yeah. Next to FAO Schwartz. Oh. And I, I believe I might've started working there at that point. And people would always be like, oh, wow. So you must know a lot about cars. And I was like, I don't know shit about mm-hmm. cars. And it <laughs> really was. We, gig then? we didn't need to. We just, uh, you know how I got that gig? I'll tell you. <laughs> Steve Lavner. Another Austrian. Yeah, Steve Lavner had a job there. I said, how'd you get this? He said, I went to this temp agency and I got it. So I went to the temp agency. I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. They're like, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't want to sit behind a desk. I don't want to work with computers. I don't want to do word processing because I knew they would give me this job at GM on fifth. You're like John Cusack in uh, just say anything. I don't want to make anything, process anything, stand at a desk, do anything. So I, yeah, I basically, I was like the worst, you know, temp client they could have. I'm like, I don't want to do anything, but I want to be paid. Can you, can can you accommodate me? And they could. Uh, So they sent me to GM on fifth and I would stand in front of cars and pretend that I knew what I was talking about. Oh uh, about Cadillacs and Escalades and this and that. Unbelievable. And, yeah. yeah. That's improv. You're doing improv out I there. I was doing improv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't That's know amazing. what I was talking about, but it seemed to work. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing you at the coffee pot. I remember that very vividly um, and seeing all you guys. And, and I would come in and out of the city. Um, this was the, this was, I had just gotten out of, uh, out of grad school. So I was living home and one true thing really really struck home for me because it's Renee Zellweger's character and we'll talk about it moves home. Mm-hmm. And so this was my first time home in a very long time. I, I love my family. They're very beloved to me. They're great, <laughs> but you can move home again. You just can't do it. It's hard. Back to, yeah. uh, oh, it's really hard. Back to your old bedroom and the mm-hmm. rules and everything like that. Like I hadn't lived home in seven years. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, Were yeah. The Gilad the- tape still there. Of course, they were still there. They were well, still then there. you can go home again. Then. Yeah, I guess you can. It's always comforting, Gilad. As long as he's welcoming you back to his ar- into his arms of steel, and you're fine. Watch what um, the fist is doing. Watch what the fist is doing. This is during that weird time when I'm living at home, but I'm going into the city all the time and seeing you, Fred, at the coffee pot, and yeah. that's a that's a really uh, special and great time because I'm starting to learn the city and and make my way, you know, and, and have an audition here or there and work at us, you know, an off off Broadway. I think I did the Fringe Festival that maybe it was that summer. I think mm. it was that. Is summer. that when you did that all male? The importance of being earnest. Where you it were was the, the all male importance of being earnest. I was the the sole. Um, um, Lady straight, Bracknell, right? I was Lady Bracknell. I was the only straight dude in the cast, and uh, the 
the New York Times said that that was good casting. So I was very happy about that. Didn't say anything <laughs> about my performance, but they said the most masculine, it was great casting that the most masculine guy was the Lady Bracknell <laughs> in the show. And I thought that, that was a neat, that was a neat thing for the New York Times to have And said. I remember you looked like uh, Barbara Streisand in Prince of Tides or something. There was something about your hair, <laughs> the, the, the nails, the whole thing. I was a lovely uh, combination of, of Barbara Streisand and Nick Nolte in that same movie. <laughs> I was uh what was I doing this well I, I had just the summer was uh, that was my third season down at Texas Shakespeare and that was a that was a really fun summer I did Nathan Detroit and Guys and Dolls and I did Importance of Being Earnest I did Algernon and Importance of Being Earnest oh, for God's sake and I did uh Master Ford in Merry Wives of Windsor it was a very fun I loved that summer in terms of like nice. what I got to do it was really really fun this was a funny time and I won't go too much into it, but you know, there'll be other episodes that uh, uh, correspond with this time period. But this was, this was also the beginning of a, you know, the, Fred, you said this is when you and Kate uh, were Yay. close to starting to date. I, I began a relationship right around this time too, that uh, started over the summer when I was still down in Texas and then continued when I was back in the city. And I ended up living with this person and it was, um, it, it wasn't the right one man show wasn't the right fit. And so this was the beginning of a three year, a two, two or three year stretch of not being terribly happy in my personal life. But well, uh, it's wild. I was, I was telling Dan <laughs> earlier that um, before we started recording, I was going through old photo albums, just trying to remember like what I was doing around this time. And I, was, yeah. I found all the pictures of me doing buddy. And I found a birthday card from you and your girlfriend at the time. And I, I mean, I forgot I forgot oh, about wow. that. And I think it's nice yeah. that you saved that. That's very nice. Yeah, I wow, have. That... I have. I have birthday. I have uh, tons of old birthday cards from both of you guys. Oh yeah. Actually, I have one from you, Dan, in my oh. basement with like a big dog with three tennis balls in his mouth, and it's oh, like happy birthday, Stuppy. And that's it. Yeah. Oh, everything I've gotten from you guys, I throw away or burn. <laughs> one of the other. Yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly. But yeah, but I I forget. But seeing that card. And I don't mean to, to, to mean to bring things down, but I, I no. remembered that relationship <laughs> and I remember you not being the happiest at no. that time. I mean, I was yeah. trying to make it a go of it, but it took like three years. Yeah, that went from 98 to 2001. Oh, yeah. My God. No, everything is good. But I mean, it was a funny time. It was like my second, second major relationship after my college girlfriend. And I thought... You know, this was like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to make a go of this and try to, you know, I mean, I, it was it was very funny. It was like I felt like at whatever age I was, I mean, we were in our 20s. I was kind of like, well, you know, time to like settle down and make something work with <laughs> one person. But, you know, it, it never, never, it never crossed my, well, I shouldn't say it didn't cross my mind. To, I'm sure it crossed my mind every day. Like, can you get out of this somehow? <laughs> this person but there was something but there was something about where i was like no that she'll be too upset she'll be too i did unhappy. think it was weird you know, that was... you had 50 ways to leave your lover on a constant loop <laughs> on your walk well, clip out well the you back, know she, jack you just it was all she, you would listen to she had never been to new york and we started dating in texas she was from texas she was supposed to move in with a girlfriend in New York. She was going to try out New York. And I was like, all right, great. And it was like, well, maybe we'll keep dating when you're there. Or maybe she moved to New York, had a falling out with the girl immediately, had no place to live. So immediately this girl that I had been dating kind of casually in Texas, mm -hmm. you know, for during a, a 10 week gig, 
Then she comes to New York and suddenly she knows nobody and has no place to stay. And basically we moved in. That was the, the that was the killer that she had no place to go. And she moved in with me. That's at what place I was staying on, on the Upper West Side. That's the, it's an old Texas thing called glomming on. Well, so she yeah, she glommed on been... real good. And I was so stupid. I was just like, <laughs> no, I mean, not, I mean, I don't blame her for doing glomming. whatever she did. But I was like, I should have been like, maybe living together is a bit much at this stage. But instead <laughs> I was think? like, she's got nowhere to go. I'm an idiot. Aww, so you're a sweet So we man. were put into an, uh, you know, uh, an uh, a stressful situation early on. So that could, this was in Queens. No, this was in, on the upper West side on 83rd and Broadway. Remember? And the crazy apartment that I lived in with my buddy, Tyler, my buddy, Tyler, who I did improv and sketch comedy with. Was this that palatial place? Oh, yes. Why did you, he lived there because, because he was, he was subletting from this. uh, This is quite the story. This South African, (laughs) the South African theater producer, who had produced, I think, one show on Broadway. He was a producer on Meet Me in St. Louis in the 80s. And he was like, uh, and he did a lot of theater around the country and wherever. And I, there's, there's all sorts of stuff I could say about this character. But anyway, so he had this apartment <laughs> on 83rd and Broadway. Mm-hmm. Tyler, my friend Tyler, was like a, a protege of his, somebody who he had directed in plays before and stuff. I knew he Tyler was from t- the Renaissance mm-hmm. Fair days. And we and he and I did he's a Muppeteer. He works on Sesame Street still to this day, I believe. And uh yeah, cool. you know, very multi-talented guy. And uh we did sketch comedy and improv together. But anyway, he, you know, it was a big place. And when I needed an apartment at one in 97, I think I was uh, I was moving out of one place and looking for something else. And he invited me to come stay in the spare room and and so I lived there in this palatial place that I should never have been able to afford. You know, I was there for a few years, about half of that time or a little more than half of that time. My, you know, this new girlfriend was staying there with me, too. But the place itself was was crazy. It was big. It was weird because you couldn't touch anything, really. I mean, it was decorated the way <laughs> this this dude had decorated it. And it was like. I mean, there was like a bowl of potpourri and a book, an Oscar Wilde compilation that was in the room I stayed in. And it was like, I couldn't touch that. Like, couldn't move that out of the way. I could put my shit around it. potpourri? I couldn't touch anything. When we lived together, Jason, I never let you touch my potpourri either. I was like, hands off the potpourri. And then my girlfriend at the time said, stop calling me that. And I said, oh, potpourri. <laughs> That was crazy. Oh, but she smelled so good. good. She um, really did like Pottery Barn, mm. which is what I imagined Meryl Streep's house did in One Tree. Oh, wasn't that a beautiful go. house? That's good. That's good. That's I was going to say. She, she, she knew her way around potpourri. She really <laughs> did. She really did. And lamps, she, a lot of lamps. I didn't really clock the lamps, but I guess that's the kind of nitty. <laughs> That's the that's the nitty and the gritty we'll get into <laughs> now as we uh, as we discuss you know we're we're out of the summer everybody no no more you know no more skirts blowing up and people zapping boobies and you know spaceships and yeah people having fun and enjoying themselves no now now we're into the serious fall months and uh and our uh, first film one true thing. She going to die? No, she's not going to die. I want you to move home and take care of her. Move home? I cannot just drop everything. It could ruin my career. We can get a nurse and I will come home every week. Nurse, weekend. we're not getting a nurse. Your mother needs you, Ellen. A sick mother means three weeks off and a very nice arrangement of flowers sent by the staff. Ellie, you're home. I'm home for a while. No, 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 no. 
Not to play nursemaid to me. One true thing. Meryl Streep is Kate, the undervalued matriarch of the Goulden family. When she's diagnosed with cancer, her daughter, journalist Ellen, played by Renee Zellweger, returns from New York City to care for her mother at the request of her father, played by William Hurt. During the time Ellen spends with her parents, she discovers secrets that she was never privy to in her childhood. Though Ellen has always idolized her father, she learns that her mother had a much more difficult life than she knew. Based on the novel by Anna Quindlin and directed by Carl Franklin, One True Thing earned $6.6 million over its opening weekend, en route to a $23.2 million domestic total and $26.6 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of One True Thing? Yeah, this movie that I'd never heard of and never knew existed before you said last week we're going to review one true thing. I remember and the I poster. Like, I remember the poster, I and that's that. it. And I knew Nothing. that cancer played into. It. I knew I was like somebody gets sick in this movie. I I remember that. I knew that. that that's I all. had no idea. Didn't know who was in it. Had never heard of it. I, how did this movie complete? I mean, there are three major Oscar-winning stars in it. You got mm -hmm. Streep, Hurt, and Zellweger. Did Zellweger have her first Oscar by this time already or no? No, this was shortly after Jerry Maguire. This it was, was two years after Jerry Maguire. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When okay. was her but first? Still a, her first Oscar was because Chicago? Of, uh, it was either Chicago or Cold yeah. Mountain or something. Oh, right. Oh, my God. That. She has a few Oscars, doesn't she? Yeah. So this, was, this was one of her early ones, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, I didn't know this movie existed. I mean, literally did not know that it existed. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I... I I don't know. Uh, it, it, now yeah. you know why you didn't know it existed, is what you want to say. <laughs> I don't know. What the fuck do you say about this movie? I mean, it, 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 it's, uh, I don't know what to say about it. They're, We've got two very, movies this week where anything you say, you're going to get in trouble for. <laughs> no, I'm not. Three, actually. <laughs> no, I think that, all right, uh, the performances are very good. Yep. With yes. the exception of the scene when... Uh, Zellweger confronts her father in the street. I didn't like that scene. I thought that was I did misplayed. like that because oh, it was. I, I was like, you're that. finally get. You're finally getting to the fucking point of the whole movie. That's well, so I did get, like. Well, that. then get to that point. Don't whine your way through the scene. Don't just play the problem the entire time. You know, I mean, that's the big. That's the big. Uh, a thing with Zellweger, right? Is she? They say, oh, she always looks like she's kind of sucking a lemon and just mm. pouty and complainy. And I was like, don't play into that. Play against it. Fucking get him. Put him to the test and yell at him in the street. You know, yeah, she's but great. She does. But no, she, can't, she, she does. She can't not go there. right there. But that's the whole thing. She, I, she's so enamored of her father. He's such a legend in her mind. I think but it's after all that. For after after what she well, I, we won't give away the ending, but. I, I, I don't know. Do we want to talk about uh, the inter how I'm interpret? I interpreted the ending, or what what gets revealed as he actually wasn't what she thought. Did you guys no. get that? Yeah, no, she, he wasn't at all, and that's the whole thing. Yeah, I feel like I think that's the whole point. What, what the point of the movie was is I that mean, she, he wasn't doing what she what she thought he was doing. I don't know how to no, say. No, well, it without he wasn't. Saying. It's it's it, it's about you know the parents not being who you think they are, having these these. I know, but his big sin is not what she thinks it is. He's actually he's actually just a drunk. He's not doing anything oh, that she oh. thinks he's doing. Well, he's a cheat. I mean, he's a he's a drunk and he's a cheat. No, I don't think. No, I think the movie is saying he's not. Oh, no, really? I think 
I, yeah. I think he was because Meryl Streep has a line where she's like, I know, I can't remember that the exact scene line. when Meryl Streep can, and, and Renee Zellweger are talking. She's basically saying, Everything you think you know about your father, I already know. I think he's had lots of dalliances and lots of affairs. Oh, I, yeah. That's I what I when, got. From I think it. the point of when she goes and finds him in the, in the, okay, maybe this is a point of confusion for me because I think the point of when she goes and finds him in the bar is mm-hmm. that, no, that's where he's been every night when he comes home late. That, and that's why they show the painting that says uh, come back in because that's where he's written the book. And that's where Howard goes to pick him up. His friend who drives him home every night. It's why he has to be driven home every night. It's why, Mm. why Meryl Streep accepts him with open arms when he, when he stumbles in drunk, this is a regular occurrence. You see mm. what I mean? That's what oh, I got yeah, out I of see it. What you're and that's why they're vague, uh, so vague and nebulous throughout the whole movie about his da- alleged dalliances. It's a hand on a shoulder. You never see anything overt ever, ever in the movie. There's a rumor, there's a whisper, and there's a hand on a shoulder. There's never anything overt. You see what I mean? I think he's a drunk. Sure. That's his secret is that he's a fucking drunk. And mm. nobody knows except Meryl Streep because she's the one who's always accepting him home with open arms at 5 a.m. Mm. That's what I got from the movie. I don't huh. know. You're swaying me to your way. I mean, I got both. I got that he's a wildly imperfect man with a lot of problems and 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 who's probably, you William know. Hurt or the character? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> How come mom waited so long? Why didn't she go to the doctor sooner? you talking about was it maybe because you didn't want your world disrupted because you needed her to keep your life running smoothly like you need me now because she can't do it all well do you have any idea what it takes to keep your life running so smoothly have you lost your mind maybe keep your voice down i don't i don't know i couldn't uh I couldn't hook in very much until she's really sick, until she's like throwing plates around a la Jeffrey Tambor. Then then I'm hooked in from from then on. But it took a yeah. long time for me to get there. It's, it's I, a very, I agree with you. It's a hard movie to watch after a yeah. while, especially. It's just difficult to watch that kind of but then, thing. You know, it's, it's, what, what's, what's interesting yeah. is I, I, I was thinking about it. A, I saw it for the first time yesterday. Because yeah. again, I was like, "Yo, I never heard of it," but I, I was saw thinking it today about for it. The first the, time, and at the yeah. time watching it, yeah, the same thing. I was enjoying the performances, but I don't know. It was I, I was watching it in the distance, but I thought about it a lot today, actually, and it really, oh, yeah. yeah, it sort of stuck with me again. Just more about, I guess, just that idea about you know, who, do we ever really know our parents, and who are they, and then there's so much more that we don't know about, and may, maybe being a parent myself, and you know, watching my parents get older and, and I thought it was pretty effective. Uh, Maybe that's what it is. I just want to avoid that whole, I just want to avoid that whole subject. Well, it's difficult. It's a difficult thing. And, and, and that's what I thought was so great. I mean, because when that movie starts, it's really interesting. Meryl Streep is almost like a supporting character in the beginning. She's not, you know, Um, but she's really played off as, you know, they sort of, like she says, Renaz Elworker's like, I don't want to be her. I don't want to live this life. And yeah. you can even tell that there's, even even as much as William Hurt's character loves her, he sort of almost talks down to her. And she even plays up the fact that, well, I'm not as smart as your father. You know, he likes all these great literary heroes. And I just, I like hanging out with my my friends and dressing up like Dorothy. Um, yeah. You know, she, she has much, her pleasures are, are, are much simpler. Yeah. And... 
and you, as it goes on, you start to realize, I mean, I think it's the whole thing that no, she, there's so much more. She, she does have that strength. You think that William Hurt is, is the pillar of this family and has the strength and it's really, you know, Meryl Streep's character has got that. And, and, and I like how it sort of turns it that you don't, you know, these, all these, these things are revealed about them. Um, you didn't find him super douchey and just I, I, I found him impenetrable the entire time. From the beginning, no, I, I felt I felt that way about him. So I did. I felt like she was probably the one keeping it together from the the top. I thought he was. He's yeah. I yeah. I had issues with him right from the beginning. I was like, I think there's yeah. Impenetrable is a great word for it, Dan. Also, competitive, jealous. When it comes to his daughter, I think. Um, but that's the character, though. Yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. character. That's, that is the yeah. character. But I mean, I don't see him as the pillar was... of the family. I did. I never saw. I, he always seemed. No, weak I shouldn't say that. I, he I, always I, seemed I'm, like I'm, the weak one to me. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm misrepresenting mm. myself there. Then mm. I don't mean that. I just mean the. Um, no, she definitely held the family together. What I mean is, he was the the. He seemed more of like the stronger figure, the one everyone looked up to him. Y- yes. You know? Yes. Or, right. Although you find out that the Tom Everett Scott, who plays her brother, really doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it seems like everyone looks up mm-hmm. to him and sort of is like, oh, mom, you know, she does her silly yeah. stuff. But he's really the fraud, you know, and she's the one, as you said, is holding it together. The genuine to, one. Yeah. She's more yes. genuine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I guess that's what Zoe Rigger is, is learning throughout the piece is that she's 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 putting the attention on the wrong parent, I guess. But yes. She's, you, you know, did you... I don't know. I mean, is he that, I mean, is he that oblivious or is it the booze or is it, I mean, he just seemed oblivious to it. What human is that oblivious or could he just not deal? You know, he I couldn't deal. I, I don't think. I think that's why he yeah. wants her there. He's like, he doesn't want his life to change. He's selfish. He's a very selfish person. That's why I said I earlier, think, narcissistic. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. You, know. Absolutely. you know, he wants to, he can't go on, he can go on sabbatical to write a book, but not to care for the mother. That's what she's got to keep up him, the yeah. course load. He's got to keep up his classes. Meanwhile, she's got this major interview for New York magazine and you know, the daughter, he's not, he's not giving her any kind of grace or leeway to have time for her work. He's not sharing the load. He wants her there for exactly what he, he, that, that one of the most, um, Effective moments to me is when he says, "Will you write the forward to this this compilation of my of my mm-hmm. work?" Uh, and then, and she's so excited about it. And then he says, "Oh, and one other thing." And then he comes and he dumps the shirts in her arms and says, "And I need these yes. laundered and starched and everything." Great. It's a great moment because it's like, "Oh, you get with utter clarity, you realize he's orchestrated all of this. The mother doesn't even want her there necessarily, not because she doesn't love her, but because she doesn't want to impinge on her life." But the father yeah. needs someone there to do everything that needs to be done in the house. He is not pre- equipped or prepared or willing to handle the change of the moment. I thought it was a very believable, highly flawed character. It broke my heart, the scene where she's, and God, Renee Zellweger's so fucking good. Yeah, she's she's really good. I think she's got such an open quality about her. You see Judy? Judy's wonderful. I, I haven't seen that one. Oh, for God's sake! You see. But um, she's—it was heartbreaking in that scene where they, in the beginning, in the party, and she, you know, she has this huge uh, article that comes out in New York Magazine, and mm-hmm. you know that she, she, all she wants is to hear, you know, what Dad has to say right. about it, and he's like, "All right, you want my critique?" And he sits down, and the look in her eyes—it was just she so wants his approval, yeah. and it's like he gives it to her. 
but not really. Yeah. Then and it's, it was, yeah. And it was, I, I don't know. It was, it was heartbreaking to see, like she loves him so much. She wants so, and whereas her brother sort of knows what's what. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm like, not going to. this guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I love him, but not I'm, in a I'm not going to try. Yeah. But I'm done trying to please him. I'm not yeah. going to play up to the legend, you yeah. know, that he thinks he is. And that same moment with Zellweger pays off later because she overhears his students say the same critique as yes, if he's, exactly. as if that's just like his pat thing that he says. Yep. He's a, he, he's, and, and he has all these pat phrases that he uses all the time. He just fucking, you know, repeats a bunch of shit that he's heard before. Yeah. Now, um, that leads me to believe that really the character's flaw is that he has a fucking deep sense of imposter syndrome. And he just thinks himself a total fraud because he never mm. did publish that book. I was really enjoying William Hurt in the beginning. I loved like mm-hmm. it, there was a goofiness that I'd never seen. I was like, wow, I've never really seen the side of William Hurt. Mm-hmm. And then it hit me. I've, I've never really seen that much of William Hurt. I've never really watched that much of his work. Oh, okay. Or, or he was just mm. never an actor that he's always been there. I've always, I've always known him as someone who, yeah. you know, is a wonderful actor, but. I was saying about it, I'm like, I don't know if I've ever actually watched one of his movies from start to finish where it really, ret- like, I, I've seen several of them. Broadcast seen, News? Um, bro- yeah, but you know what? I don't, I, I think I saw it a long time ago. I remember and it. I, I love I that movie. I think I watch it in piecemeal. And I know when people rave about mm-hmm. it, this is mm-hmm. when we're going to get the, the emails on info at openingweekend.com. You know, what <laughs> right do you have? You don't know Broadcast uh, News? I thought you were going to say this was the first Meryl Streep movie you've ever seen. That's where I thought you were. <laughs> Who is she? That's, that's my question. You're like, I saw the River Wild, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I saw the and River she, Wild and She Devil, and, and she I don't devil. understand all the hype. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> What's so big about her? Ricky and the Flash, but Ugh. was that the it name? Was of just, that? It was an interesting revelation of like, wow, I I don't I don't know William Hurt as an actor as much as I thought I did. Have and you I seen um, Children of Lesser God? Again, bits and pieces. Okay, these, that's it. I would mo- start there. And watch Kiss the Spider Woman. Um, but uh, yeah, no. sorry to all the William Hurt fanatics out there. No, well, listen, no. he's very good in the Avengers uh, movies as, uh, as yes. General What's uh, Face. Thunderbolt Trust. Ross. Thunderbolt. You know what's funny right. about this? Here's a funny little thing. Uh, you know, this movie came out in 98, and at the very beginning, he's with Renee Zellweger, and they're going out to the porch oh. to have their conversation. And he says, Oh, danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will Robinson. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. That same year, he starred in Lost in he Space. Did Lost in Space. Oh my god! Like of just a few months earlier, and I thought that was a very, very funny little. I, I don't think it was an intentional little joke. Maybe it was, but I don't think. so. I wondered because I heard that huh. as well, and I thought, wait a minute, when did he do Lost in Space? And I saw that it was the same year. Yeah. And he is Will Robinson, literally. Well, he's the uh, the father, Doctor Robinson. I think Will Robinson is the little kid, but he's the patriarch oh, of the Robinson okay. family. In there, well, the um, two movie, that movie and this movie have the same plot, so that's probably why we're really confused. <laughs> I mean, you know, this for me, the the movie was like, yeah, it's beautifully acted. For the most part, I mean, again, yeah. I, don't, I didn't have any issues with anybody's acting. I thought Meryl Streep, as as always, is so oh, so sure. incredible, yeah. uh, so mesmerizing. Now, look, let me talk. Your dad won't let me talk because he says I'll upset myself, and you won't let me talk. Oh, mom, please don't talk. Brian's the only one who lets me talk. He's never here. I want to talk before I die. I do. I want to be able to say the things. I want to say the deep thoughts. Okay. Okay. Without you shushing me, because what I say hurts you. Oh. Tired of being shushed. 
for me, the, the thing about like, oh, our parents aren't who we think they are is almost trite. I feel like it's just something that's like a theme of so many uh, movies, so many stories I, as a portrait of what it is to be a, a caretaker for a parent. Um, I thought it was, I mean, it didn't, it didn't go fully there, but there are moments which are very, again, difficult yeah, to watch that are very, bathtub yeah. Or... And just, uh, you know, and, and seeing those private moments of like the, the pain that she's going through the, the ebb and the flow of the disease and where she's at. I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard to watch and it's, you know, beautifully done. So yeah. there's, there's value in it, but it's also just, I don't know. I, it didn't feel exploitative at all, but it just felt like, yeah. but what's the problem with it? That what's the issue with this movie? I, like, why I don't know because I kept thinking, a, I was like, it's not terms of endearment. Terms of endearment right. is, is right. another beast and, and, and works, even though it deals with, these these parent child dynamics and 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 how uh, when disease enters into your life and like you just yeah. resets things and how you have to is like that what this is see each other in 98 terms of endearment no, i don't know of? i i don't know i you know anna quindlin wrote the book that this was based on and i don't know it's a novel yeah it's not a biography but i have i i wonder if it's steeped in anything um autobiographical for for her i i don't know like so i don't it. know it it feels so like kind of i think i read slice of life okay. that it feels like it must have just been her story you know what i mean because it, otherwise it doesn't have the mechanics of it don't seem to um add up to something greater than than just some this of its little parts. Yeah, yeah than just this little snapshot you know as a word yeah. we've used a Which lot I, last I, week about fast times but like just a snapshot of a of a of a family and a certain time and a place and going through you which know. I liked. I liked that about it. I like that there was a simplicity. I, I was thinking the same thing yeah. too. I'm like, what's what what's pulling me in with this? What 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 is yeah. missing? And I, I don't know what it was. And maybe because it was just such a well there's something hand the, the thing is that it is so so it is just like here's a family Here's a thing that befalls the family. Here's how they they go through it. And it's a thing every family on some level in some way goes through. Right. So it, it is as universal as as it gets in terms of like where there's conflict or mystery or what the the big question is in the air. It's it's that this, there's this whole framing device of where you get like, did she euthanize her mother? There's a, there's a, this, this, uh, yep. she's oh, being she's interviewed and asked right. questions yeah. by this officer about whether she helped. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and so, and then that question, you know, I mean, in fact, spoilers, uh, that question doesn't get resolved satisfactorily. I don't did think. Did you buy the ending? I don't know. No, I don't buy, I don't buy that. Like, you know, that, neither of the able-bodied people <laughs> helped her along in the end giving Did her her medicine that she somehow from her deathbed got, got up stairs. and got the fucking bottle of pills and took them and threw the bottle out i don't buy that i don't believe it and i'm like is that what we're supposed to believe that they're both just gonna be like i didn't do and it's almost i mean it's not comical it's, but it's a little it, bit it, like it's right on that edge of it, it's almost on the edge because it's like wait you didn't kill mom i didn't kill mom did you kill your mom no. Yes. Oh, geez. I thought it was you. I guess she did it. <laughs> Roll credits. She was really fucking weak there. I don't know. But she's Meryl Streep. She can do anything. I mean, she's mom. That's it. She can do anything. That's it. That's what the problem is. Yeah. So I was kind of like, I don't know what's happening here in the end. But um, I will say one fun. This is a total non sequitur. So uh, Anna Quindlin wrote this book that this is based on, right? So in the 90s, right when this movie was released, I was. Uh, 
in addition to my other jobs at Jekyll, I was also working at an after-school program uh, on the west side in Greenwich Village. And, you know, it was very, it was a very nice private school and very, you know, a lot of uh, well-to-do children went there. And Anna Quindlin's children went to this school down down there. And, And I would... You know, and I was like an after-school monitor kind of guy, like you know, during recess and different after-school programs with kids. And so it was just kind of like corralling kids and keeping an eye on them while they played games and sports and whatever, and the playground or the gym or whatever, what have you. And uh, she had two kids there, a little girl and an older boy. And um, I remember one day the boy was not doing like he was just he was just misbehaving, you know, generally whatever grade he was in, sixth grade or something. And, uh, and I, I was disciplining him and, uh, he looked at me and he said, don't you know who my mother is? And I was like, yeah, I don't care. And then and that was, and that was the end. I was like, I know who your mother, or actually I might be, I did, I did know who his mother is, but I think I was like, no, I don't. And I don't, and I don't care. Oh, I don't read books, little boy. He was trying to tell you, Jason, that his mother wasn't who he thought she was. That's what he yeah. was leading into. My mother isn't who I think she is. She's actually a she might have killed my grandmother. She might, <laughs> or my grandfather did. I don't know. She shouldn't have read this book to me. <laughs> I was like, "Can't we just do the? Why don't let the pigeon drive the bus?" Said, no, want to do this. this? Is a better one. Um, well, here's a, here, here's a nice. Before we move on to, uh, I'm assuming the tiny little Simon Birch. Here's a nice little story that I just um, heard about. Uh, Miss Streep in the making of this movie because huh. as I'm watching and I realize one of the, there's a scene where William Hurt um, decides to bring, they can't go out to dinner so he brings the restaurant to their living room mm-hmm. and one of the waiters there was a friend of mine, a guy that I worked with years ago at the Esplanade Hotel, cool. uh, who's a wonderful playwright right now um, Frank Polito and he, so I was asking, I was like oh look at that, so I asked him uh, if he had any what was it like working on the on the movie and this was this was lovely to hear because I've heard this from other people who've worked with Meryl Streep here and there that they just say she's wonderful and gracious on the set and there's no ego. And he was saying that when they were doing that scene, he accidentally he had to like serve her salad and knocked over the glass of wine, oh, no. the water that was on the table, and it spilled all over her and all over the table. Oh, no. And basically, the scene was pretty much ruined. They had you know the director was not happy about it. Neither was anyone else behind the cameras because they had to reset everything mm. in the costume. Um, and he was like, fuck, I'm getting fired. I'm getting fired. And Meryl Streep was very kind. Just looked at him and, and said, thank you so much. The scene was going terribly. Oh, so yeah. And she nice. was very sweet. And he said that she would hang out at craft services with them. And Aww. she said, and he also said that when he wasn't filming, whenever he wasn't on camera, he would run uh, to the monitors and watch her. And she had no lines in that scene. And mm. she said that everything she did, there was nothing on the page. She came up with everything by herself. And she, he said it was just one of the most magical awesome. moments, pieces of acting he'd ever seen. She's the, the way she brought it all alive. And there was, cause there was nothing on the page yeah. for her to do. But, well, to but me, I, she's... I love hearing stories like that, just about people, yeah. you know, yeah. that are so they're just, you know, they're legends and you, you would think they would instill so much fear you know, right. people, but they're just, they're like, or nope. be assholes or whatever, yeah. but she's not. Thank yeah, and you God. hear all the, all the Brando stories and all these other things, but then you hear like, yeah, so many of these stories of like Meryl Streep or Tom Hanks, like the best of the best or the, you yep. know, these people at the, where, where they could be, they could be 
as shitty as they want to be and they, and they wouldn't lose any ground, you know, I mean, they would still work, they would still be revered and they're not like that. They're just, they're good human beings and they're good to work with and they're role models and leaders on a set. And it's, um, that's, it's fantastic to hear. So What's now your that kid who played Simon Birch. Oh, what a prick. Apparently he's a fucking nightmare. I heard that he was, I heard that he was, no, I didn't hear that at all. Sorry. I, I jumped you. I jumped you with a, with a stupid way to segue. What I were you know, saying, no, Dan? it's fine. We can segue. I was just going to say, what's your favorite Meryl Streep performance since she's the queen and the greatest of all time. Devil wears Prada. Really? That's, that's the first favorite. one that pops into my head. I love her in that movie. There's so many. How do you pick There's one? There's so fucking many. Exactly. But um, that one I just yeah, love. Exactly. exactly. I love, uh, for me, the two that come to mind, and again, they're more recent movies too. Bridges of Madison County. She's oh. amazing in. And her she, Julia Child is phenomenal. That's a lot of fun. That's a yeah, lot of fun. She's pretty great in that. I don't know. What's yours? I don't, uh, oh, oh, oh my God. Where do I go? I think I have to go. I think I got to go way back. And I'm going to go um, Silkwood, but I yeah. think that uh, I think that one, one of my uh, one of the one of the ones you don't think about, and she really is just so wonderful because to me she's the queen of making everything personal. She mm-hmm. just makes mm-hmm. every single thing personal, and that's that's I thought about that as you were talking about just her reactions. You know, your friend watching her reaction shots, even though she didn't have any lines, she's completely personalizes every micro moment. Um, and she brings to life in such a wonderful way, uh, the movie Defending Your Life, the Albert Brooks <gasps> movie. Oh, fuck. So I love good. that movie. That that's, is great. That's, that's a great choice. She's yeah. brilliant. We went to visit some friends for the weekend. Everybody wanted to go into town, but I wanted to stay at the house and go swimming. So I went outside, tripped over the chaise lounge, hit my head on the cement, and rolled into the pool. What did the East German judge give you? But, uh, yeah, Simon Birch, what a dick, huh? <laughs> <laughs> F you, Simon Birch. Now, Owen Meany, sweet kid. Simon <laughs> Birch, douchebag. Exactly. <laughs> what faith I have, I owe to Simon Birch, a boy I grew up with in Gravestown, Maine. Not a day goes by that I don't thank God for bringing him into my life. Okay, Mrs. Birch, we'll get started. Simon Birch was the smallest delivery ever recorded in the history of Gravestown Memorial Hospital. I'm warning you. The doctors proclaimed Simon a miracle, and he was quick to remind any of us if we forgot. That's a miracle again. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be a hero. Pretty vague job description, isn't it? Simon Birch, played by Ian Michael Smith, is an 11-year-old dwarf whose outsized personality belies his small stature. He and his friend Joe Wentworth, played by Jurassic Park's Joseph Mazzello, have a reputation for being oddballs. Joe never knew his father, and his mother, Rebecca, played by Ashley Judd, is keeping her lips sealed no matter how much Joe protests. Simon is obsessed with Rebecca, who treats him like a second son, and believes he has been chosen for greatness by God, often assailing the local reverend, played by David Strathairn, with thorny theological questions as a result. Very loosely based on John Irving's A Prayer for Owen Meany, Simon Birch is the name writer-director Mark Stephen Johnson of Ben Affleck's Daredevil and Nick Cage's Ghost Rider fame came up with when Irving told him that his screenplay was too different from the original book to allow the film to share its title. 
Simon Birch made $3.3 million over its opening weekend on its way to a total box office of $18.3 million. Dan and Fred, what did you guys think of Simon Birch? Well, I, it was an interesting watching viewing experience for me um, because it was almost like it, it, something meta about it. Huh. And I'm still grappling with how I really felt about the movie. I did not see it when it came out. Uh, and I'd seen clips here and there, but I remember when it came out, I seem to remember there was a lot of controversy that people were really upset hmm. that it, it wasn't a prayer for Owen Meany. And at the time I had not read a prayer for Owen Meany, hmm. but I, I know people who had, and, and I just remember reading a lot of things that people really hated the movie because uh, how it, you know, oh, it's not Owen Meany. It's supposed to be. And mm -hmm. huh. so I had all that in my head. Then years later, I read a prayer for Owen Meany and I loved it. It's, it became one of my favorite books. I thought it was, I remember it, it was a hard book to get into. It took me a little while. And by the end, I was just blown away. I thought it was so wow. beautiful. So watching the movie, I felt like I wasn't supposed to like it because mm -hmm. it wasn't Owen Meany. And I didn't feel that way. I, I really didn't think it was a terrible movie at all. Um, it, it was, there was a lot that was right from the book. You know, there was, a, it, it, huh. it diverges, um, there's, and it's been a while since I read the book, but uh, that takes place during Vietnam. And there's a really mm -hmm. big, they, they, they grow up and they end up going to Vietnam. And, and so it goes off in a different direction there. But there was enough about oh, it that I still recognize wow. and said, well, this is still Owen Meany. There was a lot, you know, the majority of it was there. Um, unless I'm forgetting stuff it was really just sort of the last half that veers off. Um, I think John Irving said somewhere that, uh, that it's a, and really an adaptation of the first chapter of Owen yes. Meany. And then it kind of really kind of goes its own way from there in some, in some ways, but apparently he was okay with it. He was like, he's like, it's just not, it's not quite enough it's like my full book story. to, to be the definitive adaptation of my book. Well, I don't know. It, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if I would agree with him there. I mean, it, like I said, it goes in a different direction, but it's still the same idea that, that Simon is this, person who, who thinks that they, you know, that God is using them for a reason. And in the movie and the, it's just different, you know, and it's the same thing in the book. So anyway, all that being said, what did I think in the movie? I liked it. I thought it was a little silly at times. It seemed like it was really, it was very manipulative. Mm -hmm. um, I thought Jim Carrey bothered me. The narration was a little too precious for me. Uh, and I, I was a surprise those... though seeing him. I was like, "What the? Yeah, fuck? I forgot. Am I, I remember right hearing movie? that. Alrighty then. It, it has this moving to spoof at certain times. Like why? Like his birth, and then there were certain other scenes yeah. where it's like, yeah, that's, we, we go that's into was... a weird sort of. Uh, I feel like we're in a David Lynch movie. It was very yeah jokey uh, early yeah. on. Yeah, the stuff about his birth was kind of ludicrous they had a lot of these weird extreme close-ups like yep. the mystery men kind of thing that we talked yeah. about a few mm -hmm. weeks ago it's very weird tonally it's all over the place it's very much it's got this thing you can tell it is late 90s it's got very much the <laughs> manipulative sheet like visually and and tonally the way it's made it shares a lot of dna with a lot of those and i hate to lump them all under this banner but he was the protagonist in most of these a lot of the robin williams stuff from the late 90s it feels oh, like yeah. patch, yeah. Adams patch adams when yeah. dreams may come jacob the liar mm -hmm. where it's like 
we're going to tug at your heartstrings and make you laugh and you're going to cry and you're going to and it's yeah. going to be this perfect fall day and and the, and the, the leaves but, yeah the music and, oh, and the yeah. music, music was too much mark shaman's music mark was too yeah. much and you know and and like yes i'm glad you said that picture perfect cemeteries and stuff it's just it's like it all is um (laughs) i don't know it's a little too saccharine and um yeah yeah it needed more and i know a lot of people have problems with world according to garb which again that was another thing where i saw that movie when that for you know when i was very young and i really enjoyed it even though i I thought it was really strange Mm. and i read the book years later and i know people are upset because again it veered off in in lots of different directions but Totally. I thought it got it right, you know. Um, oh, okay. And I, and I feel like. Garp you, did. You feel like Garp, Garp did. did. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It just got, it just, it, it got the tone of the book right. At least I felt it did. And I, yeah. I feel like this should have followed, should have been in that same world, that same tone. And yeah, it, just, it was a little too goofy. The whole, the, um, the, the, the Christmas pageant they did. That was such just a got large that. section of the movie. And, and, yeah. uh, and that, the, the, the the resolution of it is that <laughs> the, the kid's playing Jesus and he's obsessed with boobs. I was like, get, get out of here. I, I was like the whole scene. I was like, wasn't that like, maybe I'm crazy. Wasn't that like the whole middle of the movie? It seemed like endless. That section. Part. And I was like, they, that's they, the they, payoff that like and then yeah, the dwarf is small Vomits. enough to be a baby, but then wants the teenage girl's boobs. Yeah. I was like, I, I was ready to take a nap. And then he vomits on the Jan hooks and everything. I was like, it it felt a little bit like stand by me to me in that mm, moment. You know what I mean? Stand by me and like parenthood. It wasn't, it it, it turned into a different movie. I thought. What happened tonight? I don't know. Sex makes people crazy. (laughs) That may be, uh, that may be true, but um, that is no kind of answer. So totally, um, the movie's all over the place. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what maybe I, that's yeah. the problem with it. Maybe that's the problem with I think it. Yeah, it tries I too hard in a lot yeah, of ways. It, yeah, it, it, it's really trying too hard at points. But then at other points, I was like, okay, this is actually working for me. I love the. the I actually was love the little scene. They're both great. The Jurassic Park is very good. Yeah, he's good. He's also the, great in Bohemian Rhapsody. He's the bass player. He plays the bass player of Queen. You're fucking kidding me. I forgot that. And he's amazing in that movie. I don't like that movie. He's a good actor. I'm not crazy about the movie, but he's really good in it. Um, I I liked everything that Ashley Judd did. I Um, I, I liked all of those scenes. Ashley Judd. You're talking about, I mean, Fred talks, oh, no, I'm not going to, because I had an obsessive crush on her at this point i discovered she's I, cuckoo for cocoa puffs I, in, in 1996 she wasn't she was just like the most beautiful woman i'd yeah, ever okay. seen i was obsessed i went inside she was in a time to kill with matthew mcconaughey and i remember yeah. i remember seeing that movie and being like who is that woman all right all right all right i don't know now i don't know the book owen meany but man no. the ramp up to the kid hitting that foul ball and she gets killed with a fucking foul ball it was like it was like a farrelly brothers movie it was, it was something it was something about the tone of how the whole thing happened she's like you know smiling and waving yeah, right. and everybody's like hello right. beautiful and she's like hi and she's just this it's angel like, walking the earth and then, gets, and then the kid i mean it was just so it's not comical but it was and i it think was it comical. does i, I 
I think mm. Irving might be right. Uh, or, or, I think I think John Irving might be right about you the think? book that he wrote. <laughs> no, but if I remember correctly, I Is that feel how like she dies. That oh no, it's exactly how she mm. dies, and I think it, it happens oh. pretty soon up. Yeah, no, like I said, everything everything seemed to track with the book except the ending. You know, in, wow. in the, the last part. You know, because in the book they get older and they go to Vietnam, and there's so Simon Birch there. makes it into adulthood in the in the book. Yes, he dies in the book as well. For Owen Meany, uh, I mean. Yeah, it's. Um, you tell me he, that kid went little? to Vietnam. <laughs> in no, the book, it's or is he not a, is he a little person in the book? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, was, can you can you imagine? No, actually, in the book, he's a giant. That's why I said they, they changed it to the movie. They just thought it'd be funnier. Andre the Giant wasn't available, but this kid was, so they went that no. way. Yeah, in the, in the book, it's a study oh, and actually, in contrast. It, it's it's wonderful because the way it's written, because that that first line that Jim Carrey says, I believe, is the first line of the book. Is I'm the mask. Will, oh, that's a different. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking. <laughs> no, something about I'll forever be haunted by a boy with a broken voice. Something with a broken voice. And that's what it is because in the book. It's all about his about, voice, right? It's, a, it's, it's his voice. It's, yeah, and and okay. all his lines in the book, every time Owen Meany speaks, it's in, it's written in all caps. Because that's the thing. Okay. He's See, this so is little what I'm and his voice is so loud and screechy and, and unusual. Okay, that's more yeah. the thing is that, that I haven't read the book either. But what I'm remembering from having heard about the book is that it's about a kid with a crazy voice. How dare you? I have a rela voice-related medical condition. Oh, I'm very sorry. I, I suffer from voice immodulation, Tina. I'm unable to control the pitch or volume of my voice. Also known as Van Orten syndrome, VI is a recognized psychomedical condition that you may have read about in Newsweek or Cracked magazine. Yeah, but it's also, but he's, he's also tiny. Okay, he is, but, he, they, is but he doesn't have a crazy voice in this. That no, sounds like it's a even major plot point of the book. It is, and, yeah. And doesn't Dana Ivy have a whole scene where she's sitting there and she's saying like, oh, that voice, that terrible voice. Yes. And I'm like, well, what's so bad about the kid's yeah. voice? That, that's the biggest flaw in the movie to me is that there's no good reason to not like Simon Birch. You know what I mean? And I kept thinking, isn't there some about this kid's voice that everyone's supposed to hate? Like it's loud and screechy or something yeah. like that. Doesn't she talk? Her translator is broken. I've never seen this in a movie before. Suggested by. That's how the movie uh, yeah. starts. Suggested by yeah. a prayer for Owen Meany. Well, if you're going to suggest anything, how about suggest the main, what seems to be the main thing about the book, which is that the town can't stand this kid because of his voice. And even his parents can't stand him. They, I mean, they're loathsome in this movie. You barely yeah. see them. You but, should just but, take Julia Sweeney as Pat and just put her in... <laughs> To the entire movie instead of instead of Simon Birch, and that it would well, work. It should be called a prayer for Pat. Come on, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, my God has a plan for me. Put me down, you assholes. <laughs> it would be a more interesting movie if he was an abrasive kid with an annoying voice that no one can stand except for Joe, except yeah. for the main character, everybody and, that, and the mother and everybody else. Can't, you can't be in the fucking room with this kid because he is like right. that. That would be a better movie. They should have gotten Seth Green from Can't Find Me Love because <laughs> he was like a ghoulie. He was like this little weird ghoulie, a very abrasive. No, they should have the kid you hated from, from Fright Night. He would have been great. Oh, God. 
the the uh the oh, oh yeah and, you're killing me what, what the fuck shit does he say you're so cool Bruce. oh god there yes you go should have taken him I'm a miracle from God, Brewster. God has a plan for me. Yeah, should have done the Quato puppet from Total Recall with that kid's voice. Throw on Pat's glasses and the wig. Get Seth Green to come in and, and, you know, do some one-liners and, and, you know, do do some rewrites on some of his dialogue. And you, you bring it. It takes a village to make a character as annoying as I needed this kid to be. Were you sad at the end of this or were you like, meh? No. Well, I knew it was going to happen, but I also thought the death scene was really not. not it's so good. manipulative. It I, I thought the kid from uh, Joseph Mazzello, no. is that it from Dress? Mazzello, I thought yeah. he was I thought he was lovely really in that good. scene. Yeah. Yeah. His, his grief head. was was yeah. was very uh, potent and, and, and lovely. But yeah, but it didn't. So I felt I was like, oh, he's wonderful and you feel for him. But I didn't, you know. No, I wasn't sad at the end. Uh, you, know, you know who's actually know what they should have done? They should have, if they really wanted to make Simon Birch annoying, have the same kid play it, but use Chris Tucker's voice. Because <laughs> holy shit. Now, wait a minute. That would do it. That yeah. would do it. Oh, God. Rush out. I wanted to rush the fuck out of that movie every time he spoke. But we'll get to that. <laughs> well, we will. Here comes the mail. We've had flyers. We've had uh, police scanners we've had telegrams we've had we've had all kinds of things and and sadly none of that is in the mail sack this week (laughs) we didn't get any mail we didn't get any mail but a man i have to tell you (laughs) please tell me there's a man in the mail sack a man (laughs) it's simon birch very small i have a message (laughs) (laughs) the um no, a, a gentleman. He looked. I have. To, well, first of all, <laughs> let's see if we are able to recap. I, now that's for you. Yes, please. Because if, there, if this is if this is a first time listeners coming in, right? We we got we got to okay. bring him up to speed okay. somehow. So, Baby's Day Out had two babies in it. <laughs> <laughs> They're grown men now. They are twins. They played the one baby. Okay, that's complex enough. That should stop you right there. But if you want to continue. Those two little babies grew up to be men. One's named Adam, one's named Jacob Joseph. Adam, now I'm already confusing myself. Jacob Joseph is the more is more heavy set one, I would say. <laughs> Slightly more heavy set. And was in the business. Was in the beekeeping business, business as they call it. As they call it, yes. We had a super fan, have had. She still exists, alive-ish. Her name is Sheila. She was a super fan of the podcast. Okay. She it was also in the business by coincidence, as she uh, let us know somehow. I forget how. But it turns out these two knew each other. Well, long story longer, they got together somehow. Uh, in Did they both go to jail? One of them went to jail for embezzling, God knows what, honey, to, for embezzling bees, God knows what. A lovely, kindly warden called us on the phone because Fred, goddammit, sent them a... Nail sent file a, inside yes, of a cardamom pancake, which yes. that's the thing she likes that's, to cook. That's what she likes to we love our fans that much. That's we're, how much we love our fans. We want them. to bust yeah. her out of prison. Mm-hmm. Well, as it turns out, they went on the run, mm-hmm. a la Bonnie and Clyde. Now, some of our other super fans somehow are <laughs> as follows. 
Coat from Raiders of the Lost Ark, the great legendary Oscar-winning actor Jack Nicholson, the, and his sidekick Geppetto, who's his houseboy. <laughs> uh, 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 Al Pacino, great Oscar-winning actor himself. They are on the were on the trail of who we thought was Jacob Joseph and Sheila crisscrossing the country. However, we discovered that it was actually Jacob Joseph's twin brother, who's about 200 pounds less than him, maybe 300. Adam, who's the more disgruntled, I think it's safe to say he's the more disgruntled brother. Oh, yeah. Of, of is, this, is, is this a movie podcast that we do? Uh, this, is a, th- this is the most confusing thing that's ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> and I've been to Florida. I don't know how that comes in. <laughs> People listening, just if you're wondering, no, just, we're not stoned. Just fast forward. We're not really not. Just fast forward. We've never been more lucid. They wound up somehow on the island of the nefarious Dr. Merlot, who transformed, sadly, sadly, Adam into a half-human, half-hard wolf, which I guess is one-third aardvark, one-third wolf, one-third human. human, sure. And then, as they go, and poor Sheila, he transformed into a half-human, half-murder hornet, and then took them on the road in Dr. Merlot's uh, Festival of Oddities. Now, it means festival. <laughs> Does everyone have that down? Will there be a test? I think we're about to find out. Because a man came to my door this week. He resembled, I have to say, he resembled Hoyt Axton. And he was selling me a new invention. It's called a time phone, he called it. You guys can see it right here. It's right here. It's got a little, oh, yeah, it's got a little clock. It's got a stopwatch and a clock attached. You see this old timey clock? Uh-huh. And it's got yeah. like a, it's got a, um, what's this thing called with the sand in it? It's a, oh, the like hourglass. It's got an hourglass over here. It's got all these wires and bl- bl- blinking lights and stuff. It, it might be a bomb. Green. It looks like a bomb. Yeah, it looks like a bomb. It's got green goo everywhere, but it hooks into my phone. <laughs> and uh, I, I get, and he called it a time phone. I bought it. It was $750, but I bought it. <laughs> Because he seemed downtrodden and needed the money. So I bought this time phone. Well, my regular phone is ringing and the time phone is ringing. So I'm going to answer the regular line first. And then we'll see. And then we'll see what happens. This is a long setup for a bit that will go nowhere. But (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and take this call first. Okay. Okay. From the regular phone. And then we'll go over the time phone. Okay. All right. You guys got you got all that? Because it's a lot. It's a lot. Okay. I'm just thinking, I have to edit this. <laughs> I'm thinking about how this is going to work. I was just hitting the 15 second button just to keep fast forwarding. Good. Everyone, <laughs> edit out, my recommendation is you edit out the last five minutes. <laughs> the entirety of it. And just jump in right here. Okay. The regular phone is ringing. And so I'm going to go ahead and pick it up. Yes, hello. You're on the opening weekend uh, podcast.com, not dot com. It's the, it's the <laughs> podcast, and it's uh, Fred, Jason, and Dan. How are you? Yeah. Oh, oh, thank God you're calling. Oh, this is great. Okay, okay, good, good, good. We can get an update here as to what's going on. All right, and then we'll go to the time phone. Well, you don't know about that yet. Okay, well, let me just put you on. But just hold, hold, please. All right, you guys. It's Pacino. Okay, he's calling in. All right, so so. Uh, well, I'm going I'm to put him on the air now. Okay. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, calling into the podcast, Mr. Al Pacino. Hey, how you doing? Hello, I'm, Mr. Pacino. I'm, okay. Am I on? 
you're on. You're on. You're very on. You're can on the people hear me? Podcast. Oh, we Fantastic. can hear you. Fantastic. Fantastic. We can hear you. How you doing, son? <laughs> we're we're doing fine. We're so worried, and we're so worried about all of you, and we're wondering Ooh, about what's too. happening. <laughs> We're wondering about what's happening with the Arthropod Squad and our and our and our friends uh, who are who you know we're so worried about who've been transformed by this nefarious Doctor Merlot. Can you give us an update? Well, they're bringing in bucks, Boku bucks, <laughs> as they're going Merlot, from town to town. Merlot has never done better. I I've always thought he's a crazy son of a bitch. I've known him. I've known him for years. Jack's known him longer. I don't know. We we mix with a strange crowd. You think? Well, but so he's always he's got these harebrained schemes. He first it was uh, he's got a he's got a puppy and a fish and he's making a thing. I'm like, ah, oh, you're gonna go to jail. But he uh, he's really he's really streamlined it now, and it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Mr. So Pacino, got- I'm sorry. I ha- I have to put you on hold because the uh, the time phone is just ringing off no, that's the hook. Fine. It's, that's it's, fine. It's just going. So I'm just I'm just going to put you on hold. Making a lot of second. money here though. A lot of money. <laughs> I I feel so bad putting him on hold. He's a living legend, but the the time phone he's, is real. It's you blink- spend $750 on this damn thing. You better see if it works. Well, it's blinking. Goo is shooting out of it. It's all over me. It's going crazy. I got to pick up. Yes, hello. You're on the. Uh, this is the the uh, the time phone. I'm on the time phone here, and you're on the opening weekend podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's so. Cr- wow. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll put you on the air. Yes. Yes, sir. No, hold please. Hold please. Ladies and gentlemen, it's young Al Pacino calling on the time phone. He's, he's somehow calling from the past. I don't know how that's. I don't know how he's doing that. But uh, I'm going to put him on the air, and, and I'll and I'll put. Mr. Pacino on the air as well. Okay, you're both on the air, uh, Pacinos. Um, uh, thank you so much for calling into the podcast. Pacinos? I don't know what that old fucking grizzled man is saying about me. What the fuck? But it's over! (laughs) I don't want him talking about my business on the air. I don't want him talking about my business on the air. Do you understand me? Alphonse? Have you two met before? Have you ever spoken before? Or is this the first time? What do you mean? I am him. He is me. What do you mean? Have we met? <laughs> I keep getting confused. The, 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 uh, who do you think did better work? The hell are you talking I don't know about? I, I think was, did. I was in City Hall. <laughs> City Hall. I took Great off movie. my glasses. I put them down on the table. I said, what? <laughs> I work with Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, oh legend, Jeff. Another legend. Jeff, so, Jeff's here. <laughs> Jeff's been visiting Merlot. We, some of these hybrid, we race them. We haven't like kind of cockfight each other. Not that they're all cocks, but they some of them have cocks. So we have them. They fight. Jeffrey puts some money down. Tambo uh, always good with the cocks. What's better? What's better, devil's advocate or author author? Can we just finally have that debate? Been- because Devil's Advocate didn't have the kid with the big schnoz in it with me there. Didn't have Diane Cannon. No, but it's got, we got Charlize, Charlize. Oh, Charlize. And then we got that other simpleton. But uh, <laughs> we made a movie. I was the devil. There was fire. What did you do to my voice? Yeah, what did happen to the voice? How did it change that much over the span of the decades? Hey, you just, there's a lot of... You ingest a lot of things. You uh, you partake. 
Somebody says, yeah, try this. You say, well, it's a party. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's Friday. It's Christmas morning. Christmas morning. And it sounds like the set of cruising all over again. Oh. You're just trying to relive cruising all over again, aren't you, young now? Mm-hmm. Speak. <laughs> I don't right. want to talk about it. I think we're, I think what we're saying is this: these call this call is over. I think that's what that's what young P- Mr. Pacino is is. Uh, is I want uh, to hear about Rush Hour. Is dr- <laughs> we'll oh, get to God, Mr. Young Pacino. I want to thank you both so much for calling in. Um, I'm so glad you got to talk out a few things, and maybe we can maybe we can you know since we have the time phone now, maybe we can uh, maybe we can have this uh, to to keep hashing out. You know, uh, the, you the get a little therapy in. Yeah, exactly. That's what. That's how I feel. Make him warn him this. about some things. Tell him some Super Bowls to bet <laughs> on and shit. Good thinking. We can back to the future to it. <laughs> I just got a great script all about uh, the Revolutionary War. Oh, I'm use a British accent. Maybe oh. you can tell me about that. Oh, oh the, the line went dead. Both lines went dead. Wow, wasn't that exciting? That was crazy. That was... I guess the time phone works because it was young. <laughs> that really was young Al Pacino. Ooh, that is a that was a healthy that was a healthy segment. That was that was. That was <laughs> I should have hung up the time phone a little earlier. But no, it was, no, 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 no. The time I think it was phone. healthy mental. Oh, you're saying it was healthy mentally for both of them? No, no, <laughs> I wasn't saying that. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. I hey hey, it's gonna be it. It's the it's the type of thing people can listen to as they listen to the podcast just to get them through rush hour, right? It's just when you. <laughs> You're sitting there in traffic. You could be like, ah, I wish this podcast was 20 to 40 minutes longer. And be like, oh, but it is. It is. Thanks to the time phone. I thought you, I thought you meant get them through the movie rush hour. They would pause the movie in order to listen to that segment. That would be fine. I, what I love is that I set it up for 10 minutes as if we were going to find out some information about the I know. Butt Squad. Well, that's what's amazing. Is that we really we can cut out that whole? <laughs> <laughs> we can and we will. Um, uh, but I like this. I like that we have. I mean, this is this is a, that's a magical, magical little invention. Hoyt Axton did not steer you wrong. If yeah. only there was some way we could go back in time and avoid rush hour. <laughs> if you want the girl back alive, listen and do not talk. The drop will be made tonight, 11 p.m. The amount will be fifty million dollars. Million dollars? And who do you think you kidnapped Chelsea Clinton? Detective James Carter loved his job just a little too much. You destroyed half a city block. That block was already messed up. And you lost a lot of evidence. Still got a little bit left. But the job got a little too dangerous. You have 29 minutes left. I got everything under control. I want to speak with my daughter. I was about to get his daughter back and you screwed it up. I would like one of my people to help. Now it's time to bring in the master. Please tell me you speak English. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? When a Chinese diplomat's daughter is kidnapped in Los Angeles, Hong Kong's Chief Inspector Lee, played by Jackie Chan, is called in to assist with the case. However, the FBI doesn't want anything to do with Lee, choosing to dump him off on the LAPD, who assign wisecracking detective James Carter, played by Chris Tucker, to watch over him. 
Although Lee and Carter can't stand each other, they decide to work together to solve the case on their own. Directed by X-Men The Last Stand's Brett Ratner, Rush Hour was a huge hit, earning back its entire $33 million budget over its opening weekend alone and going on to make $141.2 million domestically and $244.7 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you think of Pat Morita and Jay Leno in Collision Course? I mean, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker in Rush Hour. Oh, if only there had been a moment where he somebody gets drop kicked through a windshield. That would have been into somebody's face. That's I keep all waiting for it. I, I look at this movie. I always think of the tagline: "They're as different as hot dogs and sushi." And I always think it's the tagline for this movie. And that's the tagline for Collision Course. A classic. I love it. A classic of the it. genre. Yeah, that is it. That that is a classic genre film. A classic um, of the I, American cop teaming up with Asian cop <laughs> genre, which is so yes. popular these days. <laughs> no, I do like this movie. I do on this rewatch. Um, uh, all I kept thinking was, I thought this was better. I thought this. I remember mm-hmm. this being better and funnier and and more and faster paced and less long stretches of nothing. You know, <laughs> um, but when it's good, it's really good. When it's good, I have a great time watching this. When they are, you know, when, whenever they're fighting together, whenever they are, you know, whenever the wisecracks are coming, sort of fast and furious. But it takes so long to get to that point, and it takes so long for the relationship to develop, and it's just too much like. Chase around, wait a little. Chase around, wait a little. It's It sort of gets into that pattern. And then at about two-thirds of the way in, it starts to it starts to take off and 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 you know do what it's meant to do. There, there are some which is the two of them doing their thing, you know, <clears throat> but it takes a long time to get there. And I didn't remember it, you know, being that much of a slog, honestly. I do still enjoy it and I laughed heartily at parts, but but uh, I, I think I must have enjoyed it more because I was I kind of was rubbing my hands together, getting ready for this movie. I was like, hmm. oh, this is going to be so fun. And I was like, yeah, it was only kind of fun <laughs> when the two of them are together. They are great together. And it is yeah. so fun. And it's and it's very simple. It's just that two performers who play off each other really well and who are they have great dexterity and they're great physical they talents and they're just fun together. They're a fun combination. I I've almost felt the opposite of you. I mean, I agree with you in essence with everything mm. you said. I actually think the last third of it, I just was tuning out. It's almost like they get them oh, set up okay. and they and they bring them together and there is fun there. But then it kind of devolves into too, it's too cliche and too uninteresting yeah. an action movie, you know, from, you know, once it kind of gets into that beat where they have to actually let this situation play out all the Tom Wilkinson stuff and all that it, yeah. it kind of goes in a very rote manner that again I, I take I blame it mostly on Brett Ratner who's not like the stellar director if it was a John McTiernan or somebody like that a diehard kind you know if you had the if it was the right kind of movie with these comic talents or this great pairing yeah. mixed into it I think that it would have sustained itself even when you know when the kind of the fun of watching them do their thing together falls away a little and gets back to the plot but this did not this didn't work for me um in that regard but yeah when the two when it's the two of them doing their thing together very very yeah. funny yeah very enjoyable we thought we watched i didn't see it when it first came out and we watched it for the first time and at the end, we said, "Well, the outtakes are really funny." Oh, that's not a good sign. Um, yeah, it was. It was okay. First of all, let me just veer off a little bit. Um, fuck you, Brett Ratner. <laughs> what a what a monster! 
he sounds like from what I've heard. So really, what have you oh, heard? Yeah. I've heard what nothing heard? good about him. But oh, oh really? there's all these sexual allegations <gasps> against him. Oh, I don't Ellen know anything Page about this. Page wrote a whole thing about him just being awful to her on the set of X-Men Last Stand and Last Stand and also fuck you for ruining the X-Men franchise. Oh yeah, at that point. it was terrible. Um, Who's, who, who was he awful to on X-Men? Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Oh Page my gosh. very vocal about how he was, he was, he was outing oh, you her know, on the I set. I did hear this. I didn't just, remember that it was this guy. He just sounds like <clears throat> the, Isn't it interesting know, the, the the X-Men, type uh, of misogyny. X-Men yeah, turned oh in one one type of sexual predator for another on that franchise. Everybody was like, oh. Oh, God, yeah. You know, we were just like, oh, Brian right? Singer's leaving X-Men. How sad. Oh, and then, and then Brett Ratner comes in. And then and then Singer took over again and did, uh, yeah, I thought X-Men Days yeah. of Future Past was great, but this is all before I knew what his whole deal was too. So, yeah, there's a lot of that toxicity oh, yeah. uh, in Hollywood. So I think sakes. I also had that going into watching this. I was like, eh, do I want to watch what this guy's got to offer? This is the most uplifting movie of the three. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, said, I, I enjoyed watching Chris Penn. It's always nice to see him. Love him. Uh, may, may rest in peace. Chris Penn and um, Jackie Chan, that scene, that scene when the it takes him to the prison the and he says, this is all I care about is this little girl. I actually yeah. thought yeah. that was a lovely, it was like the, I was like, I think I made a note saying like, well, here you go. Here's like the one bit of acting yeah. in this movie, like the one <laughs> scene between two actors. That's just very, very yeah. brief. And it's just, I thought it was great. It was I fun. It was and you know what? I will say, uh, look, I'll give it more credit. I don't, I don't mean to dismiss it completely. I thought it was a fun movie. I just, I guess I was expecting more. I was expecting to really yeah, be taken too. by their camaraderie and the interplay between the two of them. And they were fine. And, um, you know, he, Chris Tucker, he was good. He was funny. His voice gets on my nerves. I remember seeing him in The Fifth Element and he drove me, that whole movie drove me nuts, but him especially, oh, I couldn't stand that. him in that. He drove um, me crazy he, in that, but I loved him in Friday, which predated Fifth Element. Have oh, you ever seen Friday? Yeah, yeah. I, I love him in that. Hey, I know you don't smoke weed. I know this, but I'm gonna get you high today. Cause it's Friday, you ain't got no job, and you ain't got shit to do. I really do. But he was he was fun in this. They were having fun. Well, I'll tell you what I what I did enjoy, um, which you don't you, you know it's such a cliche of like no I don't want a partner I don't need a partner. That's a, sort of a cliche in movies like this. And I liked how they sort of they explained why the whole thing with about their fathers. Yeah, I like talk about that. Yeah, and I like that you find out that his father died because of his partner. That's one of the reasons why I don't have no partner. That's one thing I learned from my daddy. Your daddy was a policeman. Fifteen years LAPD. My father was also a policeman. Your daddy was a cop? Not a cop. An officer, a legend, all over Hong Kong. My daddy a legend too, all over America. My daddy once arrest 15 people in one night by himself. My daddy arrest 25 by himself. My daddy saved five crackheads from a burning building by himself. My daddy once caught a bullet with his bare hands. My daddy kick your daddy's ass all the way from here to China, or Japan, wherever the hell you from, and all up that great wall hey, too. don't talk about my father. Don't talk about my daddy. God, the, the scene where they're singing War, mm-hmm. where that, yes. like their, their bonding scene, yes. that is was great. Oh, yeah. Oh, you liked that? That was, no, that was my like favorite part of the movie. Oh, I thought that, was that I thought was contrived. It's contrived, like but it's it. like, I it's thought a, it went too them, long. T- them together yeah, yes, doing their thing is the only thing that's worthwhile in this movie is them together <laughs> interacting. And there's not yeah. that much of it, actually. There's really not yeah. that much of it. And that's why I like I enjoyed it because I was like, well, this is fun. These these two guys is are there fun. More of that in the sequels. I never saw the other two, 
See, I, I saw like this I in the movie theater, the but I didn't two, see. And I, I feel like maybe three. I'm confusing them with this movie. Mm. And maybe I need to watch them because maybe it's those that I enjoyed more. You know what I mean? Maybe I liked them more and I'm going, oh, yeah, these two, their interplay is so fun, you know, but maybe the maybe those are the movies I'm remembering and they're just all smushed together in my brain. You know, what's crazy um, about these movies. And of course, this is pretty obvious, I guess. But Chris Tucker was a huge movie star at this time, but based on nothing. I mean, he'd only made a couple of movies before Rush Hour mm-hmm. and then literally his next two movies are Rush Hour 2 and 3 over the course of 10 years. He does wow. no movies except Rush Hour movies for 10 years. Why and then, that? actually longer than that, then he doesn't do a movie until Silver Linings Playbook in 2012. So between, two th- uh, between 1998 and 2012, he is in four movies, and three of them are Rush Hour movies. Do we know anything about why that is? His religion. He's Are he's a born me, again really? Christian and he stopped doing and there was something about he he didn't like the scripts being wow. offered. He just kind of I had no huh. idea. He just only came back to do fucking rush hour movies. Nobody likes you. You came all the way over here for nothing. You ain't gonna be on the way. Oh hell no. The beauty just touched my goddamn radio. The Beach Boys are great American music. The Beach Boys gonna get you a great ass whooping. Don't you ever touch a black man's radio, boy? You can do that in China, but you can get your ass killed out here, man. I actually think he's very funny in this and he's very good and he has an ease about him that I think really works um, for the movie. I just want more of exactly what we're talking about, more of them doing stuff together. And I guess the reason maybe I liked the last third of this is because of the momentum, because we're actually getting going. And, and, and so. you know, um, maybe that's why I was like, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm more hooked in now. I don't know. It just felt like. It felt like the first two thirds of the movie were giving them excuses to get together and do bits that went too long, you know, <laughs> whereas what I really wanted to see was just the sort of the I wanted to have I wanted them to have their fun within the forward momentum of the plot, which is what happens hmm. for me in the last third of the movie. I love the bar. I love the scene in the pool hall. That's great. I love that. Mm. Um, you know, the fight scene. I mean, the fight scenes in this are fantastic. Jackie Chan can take anything and make a fight with it. Like, like there, there's that scene where he does that whole thing with a with a big soft plush chair, you know, and it's yeah. like you wouldn't that think of that. That was fantastic. And yeah. the thing at the vase at the end. Holding oh, the vase, that, was that, that, so that was a great payoff, great. That yeah. was so great. He's trying to save all of the Chinese artifacts at the same time. I was like, man, yeah, this that fucking was guy, that what was an fun. artist. What you know a fucking artist. You know what the problem is? A better director would have staged this better for him because he is like go. Chaplin or Buster Keaton. He can do all of this stuff and he can do it in real time, in there real space. Go. And there are movies of his where they just have like, you know, the master shot. You, you see him. Oh, yeah. And they don't and they watch. don't cut. Yeah, they they minimize yep. the cutting so you can really see what he's doing, because so much of what he's doing here actually gets undercut by the editing and the way it's filmed. And and you, I think I you're agree. right, Jason. I, I wanted to see because, you know, it dawned on me. I'm like, I, just like William Hurt. I don't think I've seen that many Jackie Chan movies <laughs> other than Cannonball Run. Um, <laughs> Rumble in the Bronx is a great yes, movie. A great I mean, it's not that it's a great movie, but it's a great Jackie Chan. Right. Piece. And, and that was like I've the first big heard. American. See him do his uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was always just, I, I just never, I, I was never into the Kung Fu genre. Mm-hmm. I appreciate Bruce Lee. I just never, I never watched those types of movies. Um, so I didn't know. And, and obviously I, I'd always heard that 
And I'd seen clips of Jackie Chan just doing his thing. And it's incredible. And mm -hmm. I think you're right, Jason. I kept waiting to see more of that. And then it did that final fight at the yeah. end. Uh, that's when they really sort of let loose. But it might, yeah, it might so have been good. because of the editing and how it was filmed that I wasn't, I just kept waiting to be pulled more into it. And I kept mm -hmm. saying to my kids, I remember I was like, oh, you know, he does all his own stunts. Everything you see, he's doing, he's doing. Yeah. Um, it, and it I, doesn't I, allow you a lot of those moments more. of joy of being like, holy shit, look at what he just did. There are but, some, yeah. there are some like tags and things and little sections, but I know because I've seen it, if I hadn't seen it in other movies where they've allowed him that breath and that space, I'd be yeah. like, well, maybe he can't do, you know, he can do great moves, but I don't know how long he, I mean, he's like, it's like ballet. It's, it's like this yes, comic it's ballet. Choreography, it's does. like dance. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's really beautiful. It's like, you think of like a, like Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire, Astaire yeah, absolutely. but like, but with uh, fight choreography, it's pretty great. So yeah. But you, get, I think you they, can't cut away from it every, at every five seconds. That's a very good point, Jason. And you know, things don't finish, you know, Bratton, mm -hmm. Ratner is like, is like not letting things finish, not letting things register. You're absolutely right. That's, that's a big issue with 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 this movie um i feel like uh the scene where they're fighting together is a lot of fun mm -hmm. and there and there's a lot of guns flying around and things like that but they're mm -hmm. and they're trying to get them and they're fighting it's upstairs in the i feel like it's upstairs in the chinese mm -hmm. restaurant yeah that was they're fighting scene, yeah. that was fun i thought elizabeth pena was great i i wrote yeah. i just wrote i don't have that many notes on this movie i just wrote elizabeth pena's voice Oh, so I good. love her voice. It's so, yeah. so sexy. She's got that yeah. deep, low, raspy thing. Yeah. She's wonderful. It was really nice to see her. I hadn't seen her in a movie in a while. She's yeah. great in everything yeah. she does. Yeah. You know, speaking of voices, it was so strange for me to hear Tom Wilkinson speak in his natural British accent. Because yeah, he's always doing American, so right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's sort of been and a like while. in the bedroom and all those great movies he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, if if you think for one second at the beginning he's not the villain, you're an idiot. You know, I know. Kate and I were watching it. She was like, right away, she's like, "Well, there's the bad guy. And that's yeah. the problem <laughs> right. right there." Yeah, was if like you so cast a obvious. name actor, especially a Brit name actor in any movie, right? Guess what they are—the villain. It's and like, to do uh, next to nothing, it's like he's there at the beginning, and then you know you yeah. don't see him for an hour. You're like, well, this is who's yeah. going to. It's like uh, David Thewlis in Wonder Woman. I was like, well, that's mm -hmm. the villain. Or that's um, funny. There's a movie because there's no one else in it that could be. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Why have a name actor in that little Fakak the Bar? Oh, because he's actually the villainous mastermind. Right. There's a movie called From Hell with, uh, oh, I think yeah. it's called you From know. Hell. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's based on a graphic novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's Johnny Depp. Novel, yeah. It's mm -hmm. Johnny Depp, Heather Graham, and no one else except Ian Holm, who is the friend. Guess who the villain is? <laughs> yeah. Home. I mean, because it has to be, you know what I mean? I mean, we're spoiling all these movies, but it's like you, you, you look at the casting and you can figure out the, the mystery. And so did stupid. you uh, did you guys notice uh, John Hawks in the movie in that one little scene? Yes, as, uh, as, uh, Stucky, was that his yeah, name? Selling or, um, the star maps. Mm -hmm. Stucky, yeah. Oh, he yeah, great. he's awesome, he's that great. guy. Yeah, he's such he's a good actor. Yeah. And did you note Cliffhanger, dude? Cliffhanger, yes, Rex, Rex Lynn. Lynn. Rex yeah. Lynn, yes, very good. Yeah. And the and, other and, cop um, is good, too, the FBI the guy. The other guy, he's, he's from Shawshank Redemption, wasn't that's he? That's what he's from. That's right. That's nice. Kate said we were watching it, she's like, that guy looks like he's wearing a mask of another guy's face. <laughs> There's something about his skin on his head that looks like it's another layer. Or, or like, you know, when like in a movie when like somebody's like robbing a bank and they put pantyhose over their face and yes, you're like, it looks like the totally. face, but just smushed a little bit. He kind of looks like he always has pantyhose on his face. You're a great actor, sir. Uh, I mean, I mean, no disrespect. 
I don't know who you are. <laughs> but we all hope to you're not unattractive. Someday. It's just you just have that kind of nylon hosiery <laughs> look to you. Get, let's give some Sheilas out. Let's give some Sheilas. Let's out. give some That's Sheilas. Let's give some Sheilas. How many Sheilas? Don't forget how, to listen and subscribe. That's true. Yes, please. On all of the various and sundry platforms, including but yeah. not limited to iFace, FaceFace, <laughs> Time Phone, DoorDash, <laughs> uh, Spotify, iTunes. Spot, Spotify, yeah, Spotify, iTunes. Please. What's the third one? Transistor. Transistor. And listen, listen, listen. For our listeners, we love you. If you, if you like, reach out to us. Yes. I, I want, we want to know what you guys think. Please. Let us know. Find us write on us, social media. Uh, on social media, yeah. Let's talk about some email stuff. Email us. It's, at it's fun. Info at openingweekendpodcast.com. Uh, certainly, if you're so inclined uh, to give us a five-star rating or to write a review, that would be great. Um, Yes, yes, we'd love to hear from you. And you and us, the three of us, uh, us Jamokes, we're all on Facebook promoting this thing. Come find us, talk to us, comment, you know, you might get, you might get your, your comments read on the podcast. Wouldn't that be exciting for you? What is less, t- less. <laughs> we're bored of each other. We want to hear some other yeah, views. We're very yeah, sick of each other. We want to hear you point. on the time phone. <laughs> It'll be very exciting for you. Trust us. Trust us on that. All right. So Sheila's, what okay. are we doing? God, what are we starting with? Let's start, start with uh, one truth. Fa- one truth great. thing. I give it five. Sheila's. <laughs> five. You give it five. five. What five. do you say, Jason? I give it five. I mean, it's Meryl Streep. The acting is good. It's, uh, it just doesn't. It's all the act, yeah. It's great acting in the service of something that's very, uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's obviously a very personal story for, uh, if it is autobiographical in any way for Anna Quindlin. But um, it's not, it's not a movie I needed to see, but it's done very, very well. And, and, and exactly performed how I very feel. Well. Yeah. There's no reason not to give it more Sheila's, but yet I just don't feel inclined to. It just, as a movie, it doesn't like grab you. It's more just, this is the slice of life with great actors. And so for the acting, I give it that. I'll go six. Okay. Why do, why, six why do you go half? higher? That's, that's I, your prerogative. I, I, I'll go six because of Merle. Merle Streep yeah. is doing a hell of a job. A hell of a job in this. So I'll go five for the movie, and then I give it one extra full Sheila for the honor and the privilege of seeing Merle. Very good. Very good. What about Mr. Birch? Oh, I'll take a Sheila back, and I'll go five. Maybe I'll go 4.5. I'll go 4.5 on it. That's what I'm thinking. couldn't hook in. I just couldn't hook in. I'm going like three... Three, yeah. maybe three point five. It, uh, yeah, well, it, didn't, really it really didn't, didn't do anything. Like no, you it didn't really do anything. Like it. it didn't do anything for me, really. What about Strathairn? He was good. Yeah, he's fine. He's good. He's good. Uh, uh, Oliver Platt's good. It, Ashley, jo- everybody was good. The kid was good. The kids were both very good. I, it just didn't. Um, like I said, I don't know the book, A Prayer for Owen Meany, but the the movie was not very compelling. For me, you know, this and it's a very really middling week. It, it, it kind all, the, of, all these movies were there, there was nothing, the movies weren't bad. I just don't feel like I'd ever want to watch any of them again. I think because yeah. Rush Hour was such a big hit and such an iconic pairing, it felt like 
I mean, it did. Ve- it was a very big hit and spawned two huge. sequels. So it feels like a more muscular kind of um, leader of the pack kind of thing. But it, it but it really wasn't. Uh, no. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go five again. Really? Just like right at all. Yeah, all these movies are just in the middle for me. Yeah, I think you're right. Fred. I feel like they should be higher. Yeah. Like I said, there, it, it was. It, it was. It was fine. It was fun. They were good. It just, I don't know. It just didn't do anything for me. It just sort of left me cold. And all of these movies, there was nothing necessarily wrong about them, but maybe that's what was wrong. Maybe there was something in in all of them that just didn't leave their hooks in me and drag me along. So that's why I'm just sort of, eh, five shields. I'm with you. I give give Rush Hour five too, because and I'm giving it four. Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan and their chemistry and their individual abilities and their star power. And that's all great. But in terms of a movie, the movie's just a whatever kind of movie. So, yeah. I'll go six, but then I'll take one Sheila away because Brett Ratner sucks. And so then I, I end up at five. Next week, we're going to look back to September 22nd, 1995 and the movies Seven. Directed by David Fincher, starring oh Brad Pitt What's in and the Morgan box? Freeman. A movie I have never seen. Are you kidding me? I've never seen Seven. Oh, too, Jason. too frightened. Boy. Too frightened of it. Okay, honestly. clear your clear your schedule for that day and for the next for the two weeks oh. following. What? Oh no. Oh yeah. Um, this is gonna fuck up your life. Oh great. What's in the box? Don't give it away. Sorry. Well, I already know that. Because that's it's just you one do? of those things. Yeah, for twenty five years, God how do you sakes. avoid it in pop culture? I know that. I know what's in the box. Oh, but love. Um, <laughs> so it's seven and what? seven and Showgirls. Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls, starring <laughs> Elizabeth Berkley and uh, wow. uh, uh, Kyle MacLachlan, and uh, wow. just a, a motley crew. Um, yeah, that is a, a camp classic, a camp classic showgirls, which I have seen before. And then a film, a, a, I think a relatively small film that I am not familiar with, Empire Records. That's the third oh, yeah. film for next week. Oh, wonderful. So yes, right. seven showgirls and Empire Records next week on opening weekend. Dan, you got anything to take us out with? Oh, my God. Was there any, were there any... Was there a good song from Simon Birch? Not really. Did they sing any short people? (laughs) Got no reason to live. (gasps) (laughs) I think we might as well. (laughs) That's all I know of short people. Um, Wow, that's outstanding. What about, uh, all right, I'll do a little Rush war hour? since that's a big thing. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, there that's you it. Go. Okay. Uh, boy, can I do <laughs> this? Do people. I even really know how this goes? Let's see. Absolutely nothing. Does that sound like war? No, but no, not at all. Good. <laughs> right? But we've got short people in the can. So I mean, it's, it, li- it sounded like literal war. <laughs> like bombs you know? are dropping. It's just That's what I would imagine war to sound like. <laughs> no, this is it. Yeah, you're going to well, have to. In honor, you know what? In honor of the most beautiful scene from One True Thing, we'll do just a little silent night. Oh. 
All right, that's enough. Merry, Christmas, Merry Christmas, everybody. Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. By this time, we, we should know who the president is, and we're <laughs> looking forward to 2021 and a beautiful vaccine. Take care. Okay, there were two babies. One is named Jacob Joseph. One is named... Why are you cutting me off? The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.